in this moment where people are actually realizing, wow, there are different ways that we can do this. That might be yes. even more valuable for our children. That might be able to give them more stability and an opportunity to be creative and they're, you know, honoring their whole selves. And so, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I'm as hard as this time has been for so many of us. Yeah. I also just really am, it feels like it needed to happen this way before, you know, something really like something as old and solid and rigid yes. as a system would ever be able to be transformed. It kind of had to break and like have, have some, like something external happen in order yes. for, you know, that's how everything happens, right? Even in Absolutely. our own lives, right? It's, it's sometimes you need this external thing to happen for you to actually have a wake up call. And, and I yes. think it's a wake up call. Welcome to A Conscious Way Forward, a podcast about healing, reimagining leadership, and reinventing education. If you're a seeker, change maker, or dreamer, you're in the right place. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I'm on a mission to help individuals rise in consciousness and to usher in a new paradigm of a more equitable and just global society. As an educator, founder and CEO, dadpreneur, coach, and ambassador for change, I share my conscious journey through real, raw, and relatable stories while engaging in conversations with a diverse group of guests. I discuss timeless wisdom teachings and how they've helped me navigate life, leadership, parenting, and heal my traumatic childhood wounds. If you're ready to come home to your soul's purpose, co-create a more equitable world, dream, act, and heal forward together, then please continue to listen. Hello, everyone. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode today. It's for those of you who, like me, are ready for new educational models to emerge from, let's say, the eye-opening experiences of COVID-19 and virtual schooling that we've been experiencing for a while. Today's guest, Suki Ball, is a mother to three wild boys, her words, not mine, and a clinically trained counselor and transformational coach. She's energized by helping others tune into their innate wisdom, and Suki has recognized that the current education system needs a massive paradigm shift for the sake of our children and the future. This is why Suki and her husband co-founded an education framework, the Exploration Center, to bring conscious, love-based, I love that term, love-based, nature-inspired and innovative education to the world. Okay, let's get in. But just before we start, if you enjoy this program or my podcast in general, please do me a big favor to help support the podcast and go on to Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review it for me. That would be wonderful. All right, let's dive in. All right. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, Suki, so much for taking the time with us and chatting. And I actually just met Suki uh, 14 minutes ago. So, <laughs> But we knew each other just through other people and through our, our, our different worlds that have collided. But I wanted to bring Suki on because I saw that she was starting a really cool school in Canada. And what part of Canada? We didn't get that part. Uh, Victoria, BC, Canada. It's okay. Rhode Island. Yes. Close to Vancouver. Yeah. Awesome. And when I saw that you were, you had put a post, Facebook post up saying that you were delaying and, but I read about the school and I was like, what? <laughs> this is like a soul sister. I know I need to talk to her. Like I was looking at the school and I'm like, wow, this is what every school needs to be like. So I just wanted to start by asking you maybe just share with people what your, you know, a little bit about you, what you're working on, what you're up to, just so we can kind of start to bring the conversation. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I felt the same when I found you online. I was like, Hey, we're speaking the same language here. With so many like like friends as well. Um, yeah, so we we basically my I'm my name's Suki. I'm I'm a counselor and a coach, and also been working on building a school in the meantime as well. Um, and I raised uh, three three crazy wild amazing boys. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, really, our journey started. Um, we with Dr. Shafali is a big part of our story, and so. Um, we, Gordy and I, my husband, we um, were kind of looking into conscious parenting. We had two, we had two of our boys at that time. And um, we're having this conversation. We did a Skype call with Dr. Shafali and, um, and she, 
Skype when Skype was the thing, not Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so we were talking to her and, you know, she's schooling us basically on the fact that we need to look at ourselves. Um, and, course, and then as we're talking, my husband's like, you know what? what about when they go to school? You know, like we're trying to be conscious parents, but what about when they go to school? And uh, we both had like, I mean, I had a, a decent experience. I fit kind of the mold of what, you know, the, the standard school system wants. Um, but I, you know, then after, you know, in my twenties, I'm actually discovering what I care about and love and what I want to want and, and finding my voice and all those things. Yeah. So it's like, and for my husband, he just kind of hacked his way through the system and figured out how to get the grades and move forward. With the yeah, list, me too. You know? And so, yeah, so we, so he basically, we didn't have like, you know, we understood that the school system is broken. It's not serving our children. And, and at that time he goes, we've got to build our own school. We should have our own school. And Shafali goes, yes, do it. And <laughs> he connected us with, she's like, I know an amazing person who you need to connect with. His name is Philip Moore. He has an amazing school in Michigan called Upland Hills. And so we connected with him and um, eventually he ended up coming to Victoria to visit and we last minute decided to do a talk. And uh, we had a whole room full of people. I don't know how it happened, but that, that's what happened. And there we declared we were gonna bring a love-based school to Victoria. And then, you know, we had a crowdfunding campaign. There was a lot of momentum and energy around it. But what we, we had our biggest challenge was finding a location um, yeah. that, you know, was zoned for a school, was close to nature, because that's such a big part of it. And, and so the t journey has taken longer and we've had to really surrender to the process. Um, but now at this time, um, you know, we were planning to launch this September and then with all of COVID and, and the uncertainty of, you know, would schools open in the, in the fall, um, you know, we had to make the decision to, to just postpone that. Um, and, and now we've also started really amplifying the message on a global level by, by we've done a virtual retreat, like of, of amazing faculty, 40 plus speakers that we had um, on all things kind of future of education. Yep. And, um, and yeah, and so we, we but, but, but I'll tell you just the four pillars of what, um, what we really, what, what we feel like should be a part of school is one is love-based education. So mm -hmm. really honoring each child for who they are, you know, personalizing their education so that they are able to follow their interests and passions, um, you know, keep that curiosity intact, <laughs> which is always, which is there. They're absolutely naturally curious. Um, yep. And so, and then also, um, so love is one of the pillars. Um, nature is another pillar. So really helping children remember that they are and stay connected to the fact that they are nature. Yep. And, and, and a big piece of that is keep is having them outside what Phil calls sky time. Mm -hmm. um, and so really just being under the sky. And so, you know, and when children are outdoors, um, they are playful, they are creative, and they naturally fall in love with nature and will do anything to protect yep. her. And so they become stewards of the land as well. And, and then, um, and also, you know, biomimicry, permaculture, um, you know, whole systems thinking that all falls into following the rhythms and the seasons yeah. that all falls under that nature component. And then the third component is innovation. Mm. My husband is um, like quite a futurist and he yeah. has been telling me for a long time about how um, we are, you know, basically, like our children are being raised in a completely different world than we were raised in. My kids may not even go. We, my kids may never have to learn how to drive a vehicle. Yeah, it's accelerating so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and so and even you know the the how many the robotic like robot. Uh, uh, I don't know how what the word is, but you know how everything's being run by robots and yes. people, all the all the factory workers um, that the school is trying to produce are going to mm -hmm. be obviously we need you know 21st century skills like cooperation and empathy and yeah. um, um, critical thinking and um, yeah. entrepreneurism really is a, another big piece of it. So so the innovation piece is helping pe helping children like one being really present to what is not being in denial of the fact that we are in a technological exponential time yeah. and helping our children develop a healthy relationship with technology so that they use it as a tool to help solve the world's problems yeah. uh, rather than being just like run by the, you know, just Absolutely. a victim to technology. 
Um, And then another piece of, so like I mentioned, the entrepreneurial thinking as well of really just having our children be able to look at, you know, the problems of the world, see how, how they might be able to help solve those problems. And then being able to share, work in community, work in collaborations and being able to share that information. Um, I think that's a really important skill for, for our children. And, um, and so that's, the, and, and innovation also is, is really about like inquiry-based learning. So really helping yes. children follow their passions and interests. Um, and then, and then the fourth piece is consciousness. And so really helping children um, connect back to themselves and, and really understanding the essence of who they are and how they, they fit into this world, the impact that they have in the world, mindfulness, obviously, and, um, and even for, for the teachers and, and parents in the children's lives of really having that conscious parenting, conscious teaching approach yeah. of really being able to see the child as, as um, not the problem, right? And, and really helping us work through our own challenges um, by looking at ourselves instead of just putting it onto the child. And so those are kind of the four pillars of, of our kind of, the way that we feel that education should look and the new paradigm of education. Yes. 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 I'm going to pause you because I'm so excited. (laughs) No, literally what you just enumerated is um, what I've written on like a blog post. And what I just wrote on medium is really what I'm calling, we need a conscious education revolution, Mm. but it's going to happen through a heart centered and learner centered movement. So we're using different words, but it's the same thing. So I've, I've opened like 10 innovative schools in the last 10 years in Silicon Valley. And it was, and then now here in Sacramento, and quite frankly, it was pretty unconscious the way that we were doing innovation. And so I think the next stage of evolution is to really think about how do we create schools that are like highly conscious and um, heart centered. So you talked about love as one of the one of your main pillars. And so when I when I write, when I speak, it's always like, look, like you said, the education system is actually not broken because it's been built to create factory workers and to sort and batch and compare and compete and all that. And so it's doing what it's supposed to do. And what's really fascinating about this moment in history is that the way parents and the, you know, people are responding to the crisis, which is actually a massive opportunity around um, getting parents more involved, thinking about how to decentralize and create smaller learning communities and to actually maintain those or to, um, I guess, not maintain, to create those, those pillars that you talked about around innovation and love and consciousness and at the end of the day, like children are the most intuitive, autonomous, beautiful beings in the world. And then we put them through a school system. And um, I love Sir Ken Robinson, may he rest in peace. But like he talked about, yeah, such a wonderful visionary. He talked about, you know, kids are creative. And, I, and what I've been thinking about is like, that should be the baseline. Like the baseline of the system should be like, oh, kids are really creative. How do we create, how do we make it even better? Not like, hey, we should create creative schools. So I'm like, Let's, let's actually just honor his legacy and be like, every school should be creative and then let's take it to the next level, which is really creating like a conscious school where kids are treated as the, the light and the beings that they really are. And so I love what you guys are doing and the adding nature and my first job out of college, I went into teaching and then I left it because it was so hard and then I came back. But my first job was in this school that was literally in the Redwood Forest in the Bay Area. It was like had to drive for half an hour up to the mountains and it was like one post office one school and it was a k8 like 70 kids and i was like a teacher's aide and a spanish teacher and i just their recess was a redwood forest <laughs> it was so beautiful so anyway i love i just love everything you're talking about and i think i can guarantee you as an intuitive that this is the future of education i can't tell you when it's going to happen but i can tell you that your vision and your husband's vision and this the work you're moving towards is literally going to be what every school will look like at some point in the future. Like I, I know that. Yeah, I mean that's that's been our vision too. Our, our like we we wanted to start local and create a model that then the, the could be replicated and and that one would also have exploration centers all over the world so that yes. you know, families can go to different parts of the world and 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 you know experience it like and realize that they are cosmic citizens, right? And that yes. Um, and and understand you know have those immersive experiences but it's but our our oh we always imagined it to be this this global um revolution and yes. but we thought we'd had to have our model first before and it's kind of like happening in the opposite way which yeah. is which is amazing and magical and 
you know, like we can't make this shit up. Like it just happened <laughs> to be um, exactly, you know, that that's the divine timing of it all. Right. And it's like, and now we look back and we're like, oh, maybe we didn't find this location first because, you know, it needed to go in this direction first, right. because, you know, um, like, cause when we first started in around 2017, there was, we had to do a bit of convincing, you know, like it was, it was a little easier with the younger years. Yeah. Parents understood yeah. that, yeah, kids should be playing and, and being out in nature more of the time. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was, it was a hard thing for people to think about taking their kids out of, you know, the, yes. the normal system that they knew and were yes. familiar with and, and how it might look. And it's, and now we're in this moment where people are actually realizing, wow, there are different ways that we can do this that might be yes. even more valuable for our children, that might be able to give them more stability and an opportunity to be creative and they're, you know, honoring their whole selves. And so, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I'm as hard as this time has been for so many of us, yeah. I also just really am, it feels like it needed to happen this way before you know something really like something as old and solid and rigid yes. as a system would ever be able to be transformed it kind of had to break and like have have some like something external happen in order yes. for you know that's how everything happens right even in Absolutely. our own lives right it's, it's sometimes you need this external thing to happen for you to actually have a wake-up call and and i yes. think a wake-up call and you know sometimes i get really um i go into lack and scarce and i'm like how is this ever going to change? You know, and I was listening to Michael Bernard Beckwith the other day, and he was like, "Did you ever think the Berlin Wall would fall down? You know, did you ever think that the communists?" And he's like, "It happened pretty quickly. At the end of the day, like once somebody had that vision, and and the it was you know the, the progressive universe was like unfolding, and then it happened. And so I'm like, wait, if we could do that, like of course we could change like the Titanic of the education system. But I wanted to um, comment on a couple things that you said. Number one, parents are always a really interesting dynamic. And so before I was a parent and I was a teacher and a school founder, I really, you know, did the same thing of convincing parents. Like we got to school differently and they all agree. And I actually started in high school. So it was really, really hard because you're actually saying like, but we would get their kids to college. So we had that, we had that backup. But one of the reasons I wanted to start at K-8 was to really hopefully have parents like maybe be a little more open. What I found is that they are a little bit open, but not much. And so what, what I've come to through the years is it's actually like a massive social paradigm issue because we're trying to actually get our kids, we're preparing our kids for the rat race. And there's a formula in the rat race, which is the way you do school. And it's, you know, and it's whether it's an affluent community or low income community, there's different rat races they're preparing themselves for, whether it's like an elite college or a good job or whatever, but that's what we're preparing our kids for. And so the current school system is just getting people ready for these, you know, to be sorted and to be ranked and compared and, to kind of like disconnect them from their, their essence and their authentic self. And so it's no wonder that when we're talking about parents that I love to death and I am one that we're seeing that they're actually the most difficult to convince that like, hey, even in kindergarten, like, hey, it's okay. And, um, and I think that's a really, really fascinating moment. But I just saw a report this morning that shared that 39% um, of parents in the US are not sending their kids to whatever version of school is happening. Like they're, they're either just doing it at home or they're, and like 80% of them will, will send their kids back when things go back to normal, which they probably never will. But like, um, but they actually are saying the options are like hybrid or distance or some, you know, social distance option in the school. And they're like 39% of them are just like, we'd rather just have our kids at home and just do something different. And so, like we were talking about before, this is such a massive opportunity because now parents are like, wait, you know, the first, we've hit the first iceberg if the school system is a Titanic. Like we've hit the first iceberg and now the parents are kind of like, wait, maybe, maybe it's okay to, um, and you're getting a window into when you're in a factory model system. And now my kids are going through, they don't attend the school that I started, but they're going through a traditional system where the teachers are teaching the traditional way on a computer. So you're going to, you're just really amplifying, showing the problem, um, you know, that it's like you're doing direct instruction, it's all about academics, and now you're doing it virtually, so they don't get to interact with their friends, they don't get to have recess, they don't get to play, you know, sports or whatever, so it's like, um, the kids are not going to put up with this for much longer, and if the kids aren't going to put up with it, the parents are going to go crazy, because it's gonna, they're going to have to be chill. Yeah, 
Totally. And it's going to be a battle every time. Like, it's like, yeah. we don't have enough battles with our kids every day. Exactly, <laughs> right? Well, and you know what you bring up about that, I think is a really um, good point is about us parents and the fears that we have, you know, yes, our children and, you know, and, and I guess what I've become more and more, you know, I have three boys. And so I, I went through this experience of having my first son and then ex expecting my second will be kind of the same. And yeah. then you realize, no, they come the, they're their <laughs> own imprint, their own, like, you know, absolutely they're sovereign and they are coming on with, with their own journey, with their own karma, with their own everything. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, um, and how you act about that will, I think, impact how they see themselves. So it's mm -hmm. if we make one seem like like his ways of being are better than another, then you know they internalize that, and I think that's the environment yeah. factor of versus you know nurture and nature. Um, yeah. But I think when you realize that they come with their and I and I soon realize that all three of my kids are like genius in their own ways and different ways. You know, yeah. my son, he's like just math is like he's way ahead he's just super mm. brilliant and he can do it all in his mind and it's always blows people's mind and it's easy for everybody to be like wow he's so smart whereas my yeah. middle son he right. is like tactile he is so brilliant. he can make a fire with a magnifying glass like that and he's just like <laughs> he's, he's like more intuitive and, and he has these yeah. other skills that if compared in the traditional school system not as valued yeah yeah he would be seen as less smart less mm -hmm. you know, and so it's so easy. And I notice it even, I try not to make a big deal out of it, but you know, other people, those are just like, Oh, to my oldest, like, Oh, wow, you're so smart. And it's, and, and it's, it's about honoring all the different kinds of smart. Yes. And, yes. and also, um, and that only, we only use like three or four that we actually look at in the, in the traditional school system when yes. there's more ways of being so uniquely intelligent. And it's a, you know, unique cluster of that makes this one child, this, you know, genius in this certain way. Right. Yeah. And so it's, I think us being able to rest in the trust that whatever their passions and interests are, that they can have abundance in their life. That yes. they can, you know, um, utilize those passions and interests to have um, a beautiful life. Like, you know, yes. and, and, and cause it's, it's, I think when people don't, we don't trust that about our children, then that's when yes. we're like feeling they have to fit into these certain boxes and yes. these certain things, or they won't have a good job or they won't have a, a good future or they won't get respect from society or whatever it yes. is. Yes. Um, and so that's what I try to go back to of just yes. like, you know what, if I keep honoring them and letting them know that, that, that whatever, you know, I'm by no means a perfect parent at all. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's very crazy all the time. It's very chaotic home, but, oh, yeah. um, but at the same time, I, I, you know, I, I do want them to know that their passions and interests are important and that's yep. enough that, you know, that yes. if they can continue being curious and um, passionate about these things, that that's like, they don't have to excel at this subject or that subject. Like if they can keep that alive in them, that yes. they can carry that on in the rest of their life. And if we can teach them also some entrepreneurial skills around yes. how to solve problems and present information to the world and, and work in collaboration with others, like yep. absolute opportunity for them to have like financial success too, or like yes. at least yes. live in a way that they, they have feel free, you know, they have, yes. that's what we feel is like money is just a means to to have some sense mm -hmm. of freedom mm -hmm. and security and i think that's it's not this or that and and i think that's where parents forget it's really hard to have faith in that yeah. there's so much surrender with that yes. but if we can get back to that because we weren't also taught that we weren't no. taught that follow your interests and passions and you will do fine <laughs> um, the opposite we were conditioned the opposite right like yeah what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? When are you going to get a real job or really care about the real world or whatever it might've been that we were taught? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that the, what I loved about what you said is that it's really, um, there are within the system that I've seen, cause I've been in the like different parts of the educational system, like private schools, charter schools, traditional public schools with my kids, but also as a, as an educator. And what I see is that people will create solutions on the side like the passion project or the mentor coaching project, or, you know, um, these different after school. And some of the greatest schools I've ever seen are the after school programs at the summer programs, because they're actually so different from the kind of traditional models. But these things are kind of created on the side 
to basically fix something that's that's just at the you're not getting to the root you're just creating all these disparate disconnected systems on the side to try and make up for what's actually missing and then i love what you said about really it's about fear and so i tell parents this all the time is that at the end of the day if you can really believe like you said trust your child and like actually identify what your fears are like are you worried that if they get a bad grade they're going to become a criminal like what are the actual subconscious patterns and like autopilot things that are fears that are running underneath there to be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And then it's like, wait, how do we even know what the world's going to look like in 10 or 20 years? Like the video, I'm like your husband, I watch all the futurist videos and I see that, you know, they're like, they show the charts and it's like, things are just accelerating so quickly. Like our cars are going to be driving us and everything's going to be smart. And there's, there's so many things that we're, what are we even doing with a, you know, 19th century education model? And so um, I would actually, as a parent, be like, why would I keep my kid in a traditional school? Like if I'm worried, so I always flip it on the head and I say, if you're worried about your kid being successful in the future, why are you having them do worksheets when they can Google it in five seconds? And why are you having them follow rules all day and be numbers in the machine? Like, why aren't you actually having them create things on their own and think for themselves, follow their intuition? Like you said, work in teams and the person who developed my my own davidkrichards.com website, he's 15. And <laughs> I then, yeah, and then I hired a real, a great web developer. And she was like, your website's for my, for the Heart of the Matter website. And she goes, your website's beautiful. Who did you use? I was like, oh, you can't find them online. I just met him at an, on- I was taking an entrepreneurial course. He was sitting next to me at a co-working space here in Sacramento. And I'm like, so are you uh, just graduated from Sac State? He's like, oh, I'm 15. I'm like, what? I thought you were 23. I talked to him for like three weeks. <laughs> So smart. So smart. They're going to be teaching us how to do this. And we're sitting here in fear that, um, that we need to have them continue to do these rote rigid type things. So I think that's really, really beautiful. And the other thing I wanted to share that I think is so cool. I want to talk to you is that one of the visions of part of the matter is that we actually find really cool models across the world that are like not famous or necessarily just like grassroots, like people that are like you that are doing things because I think people are so worried and they could just hear like, oh, wait, there's this, there's a school over in Canada, you know, that's actually doing this. And, oh, if you look at their Facebook reviews, like everyone seems really happy or, um, you know, there's this school over here. And, there, and then we start to amplify the folks that are doing school differently. And this is before COVID, that's been the vision, you know, like, let's just amplify and amplify because there's a reason why we stage real estate, why we, you know, people can't see something until they see it. So you have to kind of show them that this is possible. And I think like you said, with COVID now, it's like, this is not only possible, but this is becoming like really, really imperative. Like we yes. had the opportunity through like the virtual retreat to be speaking to people from like Japan or like, you know, Europe or all over the place. And it's like, yes. so much is aligning and they may be slightly yes. different language and it may be slightly, but it's so much of it is like basically connecting them to themselves and having that social emotional, um, you know, a relational kind of component be at the forefront. Yes. Following interests, you know, fostering and keeping that. Yes. Yes. There's so, and, and I think nature is becoming like, that's another amazing kind of thing that happened with COVID is like, outside is the safest place. (laughs) You're worried about your kids, you know, and COVID like outside is the safest place to be. And, um, and you know, we couldn't travel. So you're, you're discovering your own backyard, you're, you're yes. discovering the squirrels and trees and everything in your own neighborhood. And so it's, it's like, um, that's been another kind of blessing in disguise. I think that this, that nature is, is becoming a big part of the conversation as well. And, and that yeah. I know here, I don't know how it is over there, but I know here, like people are outside going for walks. And like, it's been like that since the beginning, cause that's oh, all yeah. they do. It's and amazing. It's, People that normally don't spend as much time in nature who usually just go to the gym are now yes. going for hikes. You know, I'm and one it- of them. <laughs> <laughs> I started running, like I run six miles about four or five days a week. And I never, I'm like, oh, I'm getting so tan, or, you know, tan for me. But like, I used to just go inside the gym five days a week and I had a personal trainer and it was like all very, it was great. I did this high intensity stuff and now I'm just running. And I'm like, whoa, I'm so much more connected when yeah. I'm running and you know, so many more things are clear. And like, I'm, can, I feel like I'm connected to nature, which is really like the flow of the universe. So that's where all my insights, all my intuition. And I, I actually don't start work to like 10 30. Now my wife's like, what are you doing? You've been out for two hours. I'm like, Oh, I've been working. 
She's like, you haven't done anything. I'm like, no, no, no. I literally voice memoed the 17 things I was going to do because they all just came in flow and I'll do them in like 42 minutes and then the work day's done. You know, <laughs> like, so it's, I mean, and kids already know this, like at our school in Sacramento, we have trying to find a building like we talked about before we started recording is really, really challenging for a charter school or a private school, you know, a new school. We found an old university, like a night university, national university, you know, for like adults that was empty and it's a great space, but then the, um, there's not really any outdoor space, but there's like an outdoor where they would have lunch and stuff or have dinner and lunch, you know, and we just turned it, it has redwood trees and we just turned that into like the play area. And I was really adamant about not actually putting in like a plastic play structure. And so we just like cut, we cut down one of the redwood trees because, you know, we, were, we designed it with an architect and then we turned those into little, you know, things that they jump on. And then there's a climber and it's like, that's the best part of the school. And it's actually not that big. And the indoor part is, is, is fine too. But I mean, it's just like the kids already know this. And one of my good friends, I'll tag her on here because she's in Heart of the Matter. Janice, she's actually starting a school in Sacramento for kids in low-income areas because she's done all the research on what's called nature deficit, where it's like, yeah. I don't know all the specifics, but she's shared with me that it's like in urban communities, kids are really having a nature deficit where they're not actually connecting with nature. So she's really committed to going into a community where she can actually provide an outdoor space for them. So I think this is like really, really critical. And I think those are like the small things that will start to build the movement and when we can show like, look at what happens with the nature, you know, outdoor. I think that's so important. And even like, like you said, you're, you're connected to the flow of life. Like it's, that's the consciousness component, right? That we talk about is like that intelligence that's in the acorn that turns into an oak tree. It's the same intelligence that like, you know, is where all our infinite creativity comes from, where these yes. downloads just show up. It's like yes. tapping into that same, like, you know, source that of yeah. creation of creativity of possibility of you know of health of abundance of all that it's all there accessible to us and, and when we're in nature we have like that like that way of, of kind of closing like shutting down and slowing down all that other jibber jabber going on in our thoughts yes. and thinking and just get that you know straight transmission so yeah it's and if we can keep our connect, children connected to that oh like <laughs> we're gonna have a whole different world like yes. that we've been living in right now yes mm -hmm. yeah that's really cool and um okay so then the other thing you shared which i thought was really awesome is so you because you delayed the school year you're now thinking about kind of building this like global movement which is the same thing that heart of the matter like that's the ultimate vision of heart of the matter and um you know eventually we want to be doing what you're doing around holding the virtual summits and real summits and whatever it is i keep having this intuitive vision of like dr shafali and like just all these people on some i used to be a stage now i'm like i guess it's actually going to be you know like eckhart it's going to be actually on um like a virtual panel and people just sharing like seriously guys like this is we can't do it this way anymore we can't do it this way anymore so who are the people that are going to help us and I do share with people one study that I think is really cool. And Richard Branson talks about this is that people that are going to change an industry are actually not the experts within the industry. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I'm an expert, but I, I've always been kind of like the anti-expert. <laughs> the people don't like me because I'm like, well, that's not working and that's not working. And they're like, what are you talking about? But, but I am the expert, but I, but I think parents are such an interesting um, group because they know enough to be dangerous. So what Richard Branson talks about, and then the book originals, I think it's Adam Grant talks about this too. When you know enough information to know how to disrupt or to change an industry, it's really, really helpful. But if you know too much, then you're stuck in the box of the expertise. And this is what happened when I sent my charter petition to the district office and everybody was like, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. Project-based learning. No, no, no. It has to be this. It has to be scope and sequence and it has to be in order. And like, they just kind of pick the sucker apart so that in order to get approved, we had to dilute like, you know, a large portion of the, the vision. But, um, but yeah, so I think parents are so interesting because they're now going to know enough to be dangerous because they're at home watching this um, Titanic, <laughs> this huge system. And, but they don't know too much to be like, well, you're supposed to start here because in second grade, you're supposed to teach X, Y, Z. And I'm like, parents can really be the catapult to actually totally change the system. 
and you know, like we're getting this, even though I've, we've been working in this education kind of, again, we, like I'm not a, a teacher. And so it's like, um, we've been doing this from like, and my husband's an entrepreneur, you know? So it was like coming from different areas to really be um, like able to look at something with those fresh eyes, right? Like that you're speaking of. And I think you're right. Like with all this home learning, like I know I got a lot of insights that I didn't know of before just witnessing yes. what my kids were going through. Like just some of them being that, um, you know, having like the, the, with like my, having just intimate time with a teacher, like they, for one, they don't, they only need like a couple hours of the like tech, yes. an hour maybe, you know, of the tech. All the homeschooler parents know this. Yeah. yeah they all tell me this. Like all yeah. the, they only need about 20 focused minutes on like math stuff, 20 focused minutes on the reading, writing stuff. And yeah. they're basically that that's covered for, especially for the littles. Like I know for my, yeah. like, my kids are in the primary year still and it's and even my my son my middle son I put him in a bunch of forest schools like I did different stuff for each of the kids based on what yeah. their interests are which is yeah. a logistical nightmare but yeah. it's you yeah. know I feel good about what that and so my middle son was in forest schools and kind of like doing a bit of home learning stuff but I was like not really doing too much so he was a little behind behind um yeah. reading and and stuff like that for grade one when he did start my other son's school and what I witnessed in that time period is he would get 20 minutes of one-to-one -one time with, with either his teacher or the teacher's assistant. And they both have their whiteboards and they'd be working virtually. And just that 20 minutes, like during COVID, during the pandemic, during lockdown, he grew so much in his reading capacity. Like all he needed was 20 minutes of yeah. focused time with a one-on-one -on -one with the teacher or the TA and or the ea and it was like and i was like wow that's crazy yeah. that that's and and yet they like stretch it out and, and it's like it already happens so much of the day is filled in with just transitions to the next class yeah. This yeah. And that. but Absolutely. let's talk about it openly let's just make it yeah. real you know and maybe like yeah the, the kids only need this amount of time for this only need this amount of time for this and the rest like let's fully go forward with the idea that let's teach them how to cook let's teach them how to plant you know like do gardening let's teach yeah. them to take tons of time outside with their playing and and doing like outdoor learning and having a classroom outside and yeah. it's, it's like it, it just needs to be there's so much wasted time anyways and it's it's like yeah. let's just make it all on the out so we can be mindful and conscientious and conscious yes. about how it how it should look instead of just falling into this um automatic rhythm of how it's supposed to be you know because yeah. then there can then you can really be in tune with the children and you can and as a teacher you have the autonomy to be like you know what i think we actually need to go outside now and yes. i think you know based on the vibe and, the, and and their own intuition of how things are going yeah. with the kids and we need a break now we'll we'll do this part later but but i don't think teachers feel that freedom to do that oh no and that's that's what i was going to say right now is that um part of the podcast that I'm doing is like, I was like, Oh, should I talk about education or other stuff? And, you know, you start getting really expansive. Like I can talk about anything. Like, <laughs> but I, but I started, I, I was thinking, I really want to start it with leadership at first and then I'll move into the education space because I think that the structure of the traditional school district is so incredibly broken in that it is this layers and layers of bureaucracy mm -hmm. and different, you know, and the teachers like almost at the bottom, it's like the teacher and then the students are at the bottom. And so they don't have that much autonomy at all. And they're just, they're all like the kids are cogs in the machine. So are the teachers. And it, it breaks my heart because I was a teacher for years. And when I was a teacher, I worked in this really amazing charter school and it was a, we'd made decisions by consensus and we ran the school essentially. And so it was really, really empowering. And guess what? It was nationally ranked as a nationally ranked school, top 10 school in um, California and the top 15 in the U S and Newsweek and World of News Report and US News and World Report. And, and because the teachers have so much power and it really it's really about power. And as you were talking about kind of the, the flow of nature and there's a great book called Reinventing Organizations and it talks about teal <laughs> leadership and how the next, you heard of it? Yeah. I figured you would, I'm like, she knows it. <laughs> but you know about it. And what it's really saying is that if we actually give people the freedom, it's like, it's like give people the freedom, they can self-manage, they can self-organize. And I really do think teachers are the heroes in this story because they're massive healers, they're impasse, they love kids, 
and they got into the profession because they want to just, you know, create these beautiful environments for kids. And then they're having to work against like the rivers coming at them and they're having to go against it or around it. And so why don't we just create a system that allows teachers to actually really feel like they can flow and have the autonomy and have the freedom to actually, they know their kids so well, they know their kids so well. And if the parents can work with them and it could become like a partnership between the parents and the teachers and just kind of flowing with it and not make it this kind of like, you know, I, I feel like my, so I just switched my kids from my school to the traditional school for various reasons, um, mainly because it, uh, our school that we started is in a working class community. And my son is like incredibly bright beyond any, my wife and I are like, who he's related to some other cousins. She has like an MIT professor. We're like, I don't know where that came from, but he's like so bright that, and he was the first class. So it just didn't quite fit. And then my daughter just wanted to be with him. But as I'm in this traditional school, I'm seeing that the teachers just are always scared of the parents. Like we have this beautiful, amazing teacher. And she's always like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, why are you sorry? <laughs> like you're taking this mess and you're creating this something for us and you know, you're doing your best. And so I just feel like, um, you know, the teachers really need a lot of support and in their defense, how are you supposed to get out of a box when that's the only box you've known? And that's the one that's being like, you're being forced to do every single day. Cause I can see that the teachers are really nervous and scared about like, Oh, I'm supposed to do whatever the principal told me and the principal is doing what the superintendent told her and the superintendent's doing what the board told him. And it's like, nobody has any power here. And so who's, who's paying for it? The parents and the kids. Yeah. Like it's so removed from the front line. Like it's like the frontline people should be the one that are most dialed in, tuned in. They yes. know what's right. And it's like, yes. it's when somebody's out, of, we know that for like, you know, even university, like in university professors, it's like the ones that still have a practice of their own are still actively in the field. Yes. They've always had the most amazing education yes. knowledge, right? Rather than the ones that have just been out of it for so long. Like, yes. so it's, it's just really, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's, it is again, breaking, like changing that whole paradigm of, like giving people, giving children back their yes. and their sovereignty and yes. also educators. Like it's, it's the whole yes. thing from the start to the finish and the whole, like even with Exploration Center, one of the most important pieces have, to me has been of leading, like you talked about leadership is like, if we're talking about honoring unique genius for our children, yeah. our team, we're going to, we're going to absolutely follow that for value for yeah. our team. We're going to follow all of that. Like everything that we want to create in the school, like it has to start from the top. Yes. So that it actually is um, truly in that vibration, you know, it's, yes. it's like everything else is done old school. And then we're trying to create something new on the bottom here. It's, it's, it's hard. It's not sustainable, yeah. but it's, it's, I think it's almost like this way. We're going to go upwards the other way. Like it does. Yes moment I think we are going to have to start with the the educator or like with the classes with the parents and with the educators feeling they have the permission now yes, you know? yes. and, then, and then the system will change I'm not sure it's 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 a tricky time but I, I absolutely feel something amazing is happening no matter what like something some freedom some change some shift is definitely happening and yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy this time that well, we're Well, and it's, yeah, and the, the kind of like downloads and intuitive messages I keep getting is that it will be very decentralized, like I told you earlier, and that um, it's going to be through the parents, through the teachers, through the students, and it's going to slowly but surely start to change because people are starting to do things differently. And there's like a community support kind of community coming together. And there's a great school that I visited a high school in Boise, Idaho, Boise, they say Boise, Idaho. Um, and it's called One Stone. And it's actually, um, uh, it's an independent school. So there's tuition, but the kids, the high, it's high school, ninth through 12th grade, the kids run the whole school. Like, like you don't believe it until you go there, <laughs> but they're on the board. Oh, wow. They, yeah. They, they have board members and there's like a headmaster, but really it's like a big, um, Lego, I don't know, not Lego, like STEM center. It's just this big open warehouse and the kids are like rolling around in their chairs and there's whiteboards everywhere. And there's like this schedule they follow. And it's just, it's so beautiful to see that this is actually what could happen when you start to deconstruct some of the systems and to really start to, um, yeah, allow. So what I think actually has to happen is the operating system has to change. And so what I like, if you think about like a computer, Mm -hmm. like we're running the school system on like Microsoft DOS. I'm not a computer guy, but like some 
system from like 60 years ago. I don't know. Maybe that's like the eighties, but, but we're like, we're running on an operating system, which is the way it's funded, the way it's, you know, the top down model and the way it's depending on your zip code, you get a good school or a bad school. And there's just so many massive inequities and so many issues. And it's like, let's just totally change the operating system. And we have by accident, you know, because of COVID now there's these pods and the pods are working, but you know, you leave out the have nots and there's those issues with the pods, yeah. but like, yeah. at least they're, at least they're starting to form and say like, Oh, and I'm, I'm on some of the pod Facebook groups. And like some of the parents are saying that, you know, they're, they're, the district is forcing their kids to be in school for like six hours. Wow. And the parents are like starting to get understand like, Oh, wait, I think they're trying to make sure we stay in the system because they want to get their funding. And I'm like, well, if this is the time to, <laughs> to get out of the system and just go do something on your own without really risking your children's future, this is it. So yeah, if you don't like what you're doing on Zoom, go do something else. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, and you're right, like there are inequities in, in just the access um, mm. that, are, that are present. But I do think we have to we have to hold that and we have to empower people that are not able to access and we need to set a precedent too as like just creating this and doing what we can and and um having more alternatives that are becoming you know into the main mainstream yes and then and then i think that that we can we 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 like now for something to change and uh sorry you were just cutting out oh i just said uh, like someone has to make that the the bold choices and do this and i think and there's so many people that are up for it you know and it's interesting because there's a range of people like some people who are are scared to put their kids in the school system because they are worried about the virus and and depending where you are and how how prevalent it is and then there's other people who are on the other end where they are not so scared about the virus but they are not okay with with how the education experience is happening with masks and and that disconnection yeah. and and also the the unknowns of things are going to get shut down and things yeah. like that and yeah. we want to keep that continuity for their children but no matter wh- which camp you're in it is you know we're we're moving things forward into like a new way which is really cool yeah, it's happening. <laughs> it's totally happening. Okay, so let's wrap up. But I would love to hear kind of if you were going to give advice to the um, to maybe like parents or teachers or you know anyone that might be listening. What would you What would you tell them at this moment? I guess for me, what what I feel like what's more most clear for me is that. Um, if we're wanting to teach our children resilience, you know, this is a beautiful example for us, you know, for us to be able to, to show them that there's, there's like what it is to try something new, what it is to have faith, what it is to trust in our capacity. Even if I try something new, I have the possibility of changing my mind and going in a different direction again. You know, we're not going to get it perfect the, right, the first time, but that if something is calling us to move in a certain direction, that we follow that, we experiment with that, and that we don't have to stay with that forever, but that that we are courageous to be able to try something that feels resonant. And, and so I think like just leading by example, really dialing down the fear and, and tuning into um, trust, um, yeah. trust in our capacity to make decisions as parents and educators. Yes. And, and and, to, and capacity for our like trust in our children that they will be okay and in fact will yes. like thrive um yes. and so yeah i think that's that's like i do really feel like this is a perfect opportunity for that with with what appears to be a really terrible thing that happened in the world and at the same time like so is a cancer scare so is a the, you know so is um you know losing your job and it also could be end up being the most beautiful opportunity for you to live like an authentic empowered life and yes. so yeah i think it's it's just on a higher level it's on a bigger mm-hmm. scale because we're all feeling it but this is this is yeah it's it's such a beautiful opportunity so you know and and i want just parents to always trust themselves yes. you know like you always know inside of yourself what feels you yes, know you might do absolutely analysis. You might do the check, the, you know, the pros and the cons, and that might be a beautiful process, but ultimately, you know, your, your you know. and your intuition and your is going to actually tell you what feels right. And I really encourage parents to always follow that. 
Absolutely. That's so beautiful. That's the same advice I would give to parents is really just trust themselves. And then I would say that I really appreciate and respect the work you guys are doing and that really it's like my role, my purpose on this planet is just to hold the vision is really be like, I'm holding the vision. I've seen these schools. This is possible. This is literally not only possible, but it's totally imperative. And I mean, COVID is crazy. And like you said, it's, it's a really difficult time, but at the same time, like you were saying, it's a time of great change. And when these great changes happen, like you mentioned earlier, that's when the paradigm shifts start to happen. So I'm gonna keep doing the work. I'm gonna keep having these conversations and uh, we're gonna keep building Heart of the Matter and building it up. And it's, Heart of the Matter is really about, it's more than just education. Like the, what we're really working on is building an online learning community so that people across the world can, if you wanna learn how to start a school like yours, we could create courses and support for you. Or if you want to, um, just maybe learn how to homeschool or whatever, whatever option you're looking for a different way, we're going to try and build that. And then with conscious leadership, what are the ways that we can start to, like I said, change the operating system, change the models for leadership and the institutional structures. And then we're also working on conscious healing. So for teachers, for parents, if you're, we can't actually, you know, really raise our kids well, unless we start to, you know, this, but heal, heal yourself first. So Anyway, thank you so much. And I just will keep in touch and um, it's going to take a village and take a lot of people, but a little bit at a time. One is a million, as Dr. Shafali always says, one is a million. We got two. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing. And we are, we are on the same path. So we're going to Absolutely. stay connected. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Thanks, cool. Everybody. And we're speaking it out loud. So this is good publicly. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Thank you so much today for tuning in. And if you've made it all this way to the end of the podcast, thank you so much. And as a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you as a podcast listener, 20% off any of my coaching packages. You can find that on www.davidkrichards.com. And I would love to leave you today with a question. What is your role in what I'm calling the conscious education revolution? And I think it's really important for all of us to ask ourselves that question, because whether you're a teacher in the system or a teacher in a non-traditional school or a staff member or a parent or a grandparent or a student or an interested community member, wherever you sit in this space of reform, I'd love for you to ask for guidance, lean in, ask intuition, what is my role in ushering in this new paradigm for our children around education, learning, and really creating a much better experience for our young people because they're brilliant and we want to help usher in a beautiful, wonderful world in school or out of school or whatever we're calling it, quote unquote school. Anyway, sit with that question. What is your role? And let me know. Send me an email, drop a comment in the Facebook group. Love to hear from you. Have a great day and thanks so much for supporting the work that I'm doing. Bye-bye.